Hey Buddha Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show, where we invite e-commerce entrepreneurs, marketers, and agencies to talk about e-commerce, the best strategies and tactics, and what to implement in your own e-com store. Before we jump into this episode, I ask you to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. And now let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a new episode of the Ecom Show. And now we are over 200 episodes. I'm having Nick Shaker for today in this podcast. And I was just at his event, uh, Geek X in uh, Los Angeles. It was a great event, a lot of learnings, a lot of great people there. And uh, hey, Nick, how are you? Good to have you here. I am fantastic. Like you mentioned, we had an incredible event. Uh, now it's about a week ago. And I, and I felt like it took me to Wednesday to really feel good, feel comfortable, I'll get back into it. Cause it was when you, when you're, you're at another event right now, which is, or just finishing up that one, I believe. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you get to these events and you come excited, you come ready to talk, you come ready to have communication, you come ready with all these things and then you finish and all of a sudden you're like, Oh man, I just want to sleep. And that, that is exactly what I did. So I basically passed out Sunday. Um, I came, I drove up again to see everybody at the brunch and then I came back down and I just like, slept for four or five hours yeah so one interesting fact was that you started this event eight years ago i think you said it at at some point and uh i didn't know that i thought you started it like two years ago because actually it was two years ago when i heard about it the first time so why did you start it and and uh how did you start i know you rebranded it since then so tell us more about the early days of this event oh so when we when I first started doing because I, I came from the brand side, so we started our first brand, I would say 2017, 2016, 2017 fidget spinners. And like we went all in, we got into Bed Bath and Beyond. Like we did it. We we found a trend, capitalized the trend, and branded it. My role was paid media and learning how to grow and 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 do Facebook media buying at the time. And there's only really one group, the Facebook ad buyers group that was ran by Tim Burt. And he was one of the the older, older OGs in the space. I was like teaching and bringing people in. And I didn't really have anybody to like give ideas, ideas off back and forth. And so when I met him, I was like, wow, this is a great community. This is, I, I love this. I was a little bit younger and I was still learning. And I felt not many people knew about it, even though it was the largest group there. I felt still people weren't connecting. People weren't in person. People weren't doing these things. And as I've come to to look back on it, there were other events going up, but they just weren't as big or as mainstream as as the one that that we tried to create the eight years ago. So early on, it was about how do we get a community? How do we get find people, other nerds, other geeks like ourselves that like to talk about this stuff? Because even as you realize, when you find entrepreneurs or you as an entrepreneur yourself, you have to find communities that are going to be interesting, that have similar beliefs or similar interests to you, or else you're just kind of just be communicating with people that are, you know, they have a job, nothing wrong with it, but they're just different. They're just not thinking about the the things we're thinking about. They don't have the fears that you and I are thinking about on a day-to-day basis. So that's why I wanted to create that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was back around 2017, right? Correct. Yeah. And then, uh, 
what, where, where's your focus nowadays? Because, you know, I can see you on Twitter, on social media, and uh, what I can see is that you, you do multiple things, and now I'm getting lost. So maybe, you know, let's clarify this to the audience as well. Oh, dude, you're, I'm getting lost. <laughs> um, no, the, the core focus, the, it's, it's, it's actually very streamlined now. So uh, at Structured, we have three core businesses, was four, but as we slow geek out down and it's more of a one a year maybe thing or maybe one here, one abroad kind of situation. So uh, there's a lot more events coming back in. So we just want to be like strategic on how many we actually do. That way we can uh, make sure we maximize costs and, and relationships and, and community. Structured, we are uh, over 100 employees, probably going to be less than that um, once we go through some strategic realignments on uh, roles and areas. Second, we have Constant, which is an on-demand editing tool uh, that's a team that you can use at all times. We have a lot more people using that than we anticipated, so we're reformatting how those teams operate. And then we have uh, GeekX, which you saw. And then yeah. we have within that uh, uh, Lucid, which is the largest CBD and THC agency uh, in the States. I, I don't want to say the world because I don't know who does what outside over there, but I know it's really difficult to do that. And because of that most recent one, we launched our first consumable product. So we launched Breeze, which is a cannabis THC CBD drink. I don't know, did you get a chance to take a sip uh, yeah. in LA? I, I took like four cans, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Dude, yeah. it's, it's, it's different. That, that's been, I would say that those areas are all similar except the drink. So you have the, the core agency you have the cbd agency you have the uh editing agency service tool and then you have the product and so these three buckets of the two of the the agency it's the same role mine's partnerships mine's relationships mine's strategy and mine's deal flow yeah those are the same thing so like if you can have multiple things going on but you have it kind of in the same way of executing or same train of of workflow it's not too different it's really not too different and you just it just depends on where you want to place it and then on the product side oh man i'm learning every single day like i like today we, I, I check shopify left and right today i'm i'm double checking uh repeat purchase orders how fast were they coming through how fast were they drinking it how fast are they ordering it again are they are they upgrading the order to a larger size so i've been mm -hmm. doing a lot of deep deep analysis currently yeah I think you already answered my my next question, which is uh, how you can run and you know just to be in all of these businesses uh, oh, yeah. without getting crazy, and and that's how, right? You do the same well, thing. Well, I'm very intentional about this because so I I was very big on, I, so I wasn't very big on having an assistant or having a team that supports you. I've completely changed my ways. I completely believe in having a support system, one uh, one full-time assistant. I was part-time. I was a VA, and I just fully committed. Her name is Shauna, and Shauna keeps everything straight in my life. So from the mm -hmm. calendar to the conversation to the uh, flights to personal life, like I get, I leave for, for my wedding in like a week and a half, getting married in Spain. Well, to get married in Spain – and to get everybody over there, you have a wedding planner and my wife or soon to be wife. And then you have my assistant. So we have three people that are like communicating, sending the wires, coming back and forth. And it's really difficult. But if I didn't have that that system of people, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to be here to a make content, make deals, um, run paid media and, and kind of build this team. So I, I think at the start, it's difficult when things are just trying to get up and running. 
But once you get to a place of establishment or you have a place of real good A players executing, your your job is not too difficult other than making sure that they are progressing and they're feeling great. There's not yeah. too much to do on the day-to-day. Yeah, interesting. So, you, yeah, you rather take care of the big picture, just make sure every everyone develops, not just the business, but the people in the businesses and everyone is, you know, in the right uh, place. Well, what's different now, man, is... So let's take so structures. They're probably the biggest. It's it's gonna mm-hmm. it's like a 13, 15, 13 to fifteen million dollar agency. A lot of moving pieces. A lot of different things going on there. The thing that we're realizing at this moment in time, where we're at in our growth period, is who's a manager, who's an executor, who's a individual contributor, who is a team player like we're trying to look at these different types of individuals and they might say they're one thing like they might say they do one specific area but you have to look at this impact that they have across the organization or in their specific department been very very deep in this bro i don't know why i don't know have you gone through any of this stuff um yeah actually we even uh, have some personality tests that we filled out i mean you know, tests are good, but it's far from reality. So it's just better to use your own intuition and your team's uh, intuition. Um, now we are like 25 people and uh, we can definitely see far from 100. Uh, so, yeah, we can definitely see, you know, where people excel. Like, okay, she's an executor and uh, we have a very good executor. She became our op manager this year. Or uh, this person is better with uh, people and sales and communication. Uh, so all of these. Or individual contributor, like a great designer or a great copywriter, but they don't yeah. want the team. So I think those are very important. And also asking people these questions like, okay, where do you feel yourself the best? And, and what do you think where you can um, provide your best performance? So all of these questions, yeah. Do we get, you're so you're so spot on. We we did we do personality tests. I think it's important, especially as they come in. And it's important what we weren't doing but now do personality tests on a quarterly basis. Cause some people come in okay. like quarter. they come in read because okay. listen listen this. So they'll they'll come in and you're like, awesome, that person makes most sense. They're going on this team, that's their manager, or this is who they're managing. And you're like, cool, that, that works at the beginning. Sometimes until you get into the mix or where wherever you were at that point when you took that test, your frame of mind might be completely different than what you've just had to go through. Maybe it was a stressful season. Maybe it was a chill, easy season. Now you're now you've evolved. So you have to run the test again to the same people and compare to the test before because mm-hmm. they start changing. Like I, I know for myself, depending on the season you're in, it's a very different area. Like right now, I would say with the wedding going on with, I went through some tax situations. Uh, we had launched a new company. Uh, we're moving into a different area in, of our core business. I'm in a different space than I was in, in December, January, for sure. So I have to rerun this. How are you different? So I oftentimes am an ENFP. And so I'm very emotional. I'm very uh, yeah. open to communication. I'm very high EQ, high relation. That's my default. Uh, I think it's it's called a, I think in in the Myers Briggs it is a ENFP. Hmm, I, it, it's I an ENFP. It's an, it's a ENFP, which is highly emotional, highly relational, highly uh, conf, uh, non confrontational. Uh, but then recently, I just took it. What did I take? En 
ENTP, which is now like it's very uh, technical. It's very specific. It's very a matter of fact, and that's not that's not who I am usually. But for whatever reason, my maybe uh, let's let's assume maybe my patients actually that is kind of what I'm going through. Now. My patients are a little bit less. I don't have the time for the small talk, and I find myself kind of coming into to staying close to myself. Like I'm not seeking relation. I'm not seeking community. I'm not seeking conversation. I'm more of like, cool, hunkering down and just dealing with it. Yeah. ENF, ENFJ, right? Uh, that's your default protagonist. And ENTP is debater. I just looked it up. Yes, yeah. there it is. Whatever it means. <laughs> Everyone can uh, Google it. And uh, yeah, Myers-Briggs, Myers-Briggs is good. Um, let's talk about partnerships because I guess without those, you couldn't be involved in, in to, you know, so many ventures. Um, I don't, so I have, um, I have only one business, an agency, and I'm the only yeah. founder at your conference. I talked to a guy who's very successful in e-commerce and he said he had a partner years ago. Now he enjoys being alone as an owner much better because, He's big in accountability, keeping himself accountable, and, and he just prefers that. But you seem to be a guy who really believes in partnerships. And, and what's your approach there? Huge. I, I, I don't think, and I'll just recap it. So structured, we have uh, three other partners, Nick, Jake, David, Chase. Mm-hmm. At Geek Out, Geek X, it was Nick, James. Constant, it was Nick, Jake. And Lucid, Nick, Aaron, Avin was Calvin, now just Avin. Breeze, Nick, Avin, Aaron. So everything I've done, every single thing I've done has been in a partnership. And I think there's two two areas to this. One, at my core, at like my heart and my belief in who I am, I believe I'm an incredible partner and I know my role. I can identify the role I need to play. I can identify the things I need to execute. And I'm great at being a good conversationalist and I'm great at being good at dealing with the things that that other person doesn't want to deal with, whether it's my personal life, whether it's with my fiance, whether it's my friends, I get it. I know where I need to play. Second, I believe if you, you need two things and you're probably experiencing this now as a core person in your area, you need sales, you need the person that's driving new business and you need the person that's retaining new business. It's not just an agency stance. That's, that's anything on uh, the brand side too. I need, to make sure I'm focused on acquisition, I need somebody else focused on retention, or I need focus on culture, I need some focus on operations. And so I've been able to fall into the right role. And oftentimes my pairs, Jake, James, Avin, uh, all these people are great operators, whereas I'm a great producer. So I'm mm-hmm. able to get the revenue, I'm able to find the right partnerships. And I and I just felt like you can go much faster, right? We've, yeah. we've been doing Geek Out for, and I'll keep saying Geek Out, even though we rebranded to Geek X, I keep saying Geek Out. Um, we've been doing Geek Out for eight years until we slowed down. And arguably, we were one of the fastest moving and most profitable small agency. Like there's different levels of this. It's not an affiliate world. It's not a traffic conversion. But at the size that we were doing, we were able to produce great revenue. There's a reason why it would happen is because he had the ops at the business. Agency, we're, we're pretty large. We've had three acquisitions in the last uh, two and a half years. So mm-hmm. we've been able to put up some great numbers, grow really fast because he knows his role and I know my role. 
as Jake and I having majority ownership of this before we uh, acquired uh, Chase and David and Amelia at the time. So that that focus of speed, which is not everybody's MO, not everybody wants to do that. For me, it usually is. So I like to go as fast as I can to let other people have. And the final thing, I'm really, un, I'm really not greedy. Like if there's the opportunity for a really big outcome, I would like somebody to ride with me on that or be a part of that with me and we get there together because it's mm -hmm. just a little bit more fun in my opinion. Yeah. But I do, I will say, I do understand someone like yourself where you're like, you know what? I don't necessarily need anybody. I have this crazy deep belief that I can get most of these things done or I can hire out uh, into the areas that I'm not best at. I don't have to kind of give up equity. I can kind of compensate them cash or opportunity wise. Yeah, yeah. So do you think if you have partners, you can move faster? That's your experience? I wholeheartedly believe we've been able to move faster. Mm -hmm. uh, the, but let's say the correct partner. The wrong partner, yeah. The wrong partner is the worst thing that could happen to you and your 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 passion, your focus, yeah. your energy, all of the things. Yeah. So it's just one more thing that you can add or not, and I didn't. I haven't. Um, but if you add, then it can go very well or very bad. So yeah, you have to pick the right partner. Yeah. Um, yes. Let's talk about. So. This is an e-commerce podcast that probably you noticed now we are not talking much about e-commerce uh, because I was very interested about, you know, partnership and, and how you handle these multiple businesses and all of that. And I think the listeners as well. Um, I wanted to ask you, so you have one more than 100 people now. And how do you see the future of work, especially now with AI, delegating work to people? Um, do you think in the future uh, companies, they will need Fewer people in general, everything will be, you know, more AI based, more automated, or or that's not really a thing. What what do you expect? I had a call, I had a call with one of our creative strategists, Joe, and Joe's like, hey, we should have a round table weekly training on AI and how it's gonna change our our focus and our and our path forward. And he said a phrase, he's like, AI is not going to replace jobs, but AI is going to replace those that don't understand the importance of use of AI in their jobs. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay, I, I like that. I, I haven't heard it phrased that way. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll go along with you on this. Yeah. Right now in our team, right? If you look at, we're probably one of the most digitally forward companies there are. Um, you as well, like we're in this space, we're in this bubble of high performers, high net worth individuals, high people driving impact, wanting to do more as much as we can. And same time, valuing our time. You were just in LA at an event. Now you're on the other East Coast, you're on the East Coast at another event, and you're probably gonna head off to another event after this, right? You value that a part of your life. Well, AI, in my opinion, is not at the place where it's gonna fully re uh, replace what we do specifically. Here's and here's what I mean. Right now, you can look at AI and, and people say like, oh, it can replace copyrights, it can replace photo photographers, it can replace influencers. It's all, it can replace, it can replace, it can, it's not, it is replacing you, you and I both have known for in the paid media side, side of things for, if you're running a brand or trying to grow a brand for running, running paid media rules, automations, this has been around forever. That's technically AI. Like that's not us, a human doing it. That's the buttons being done. Those are triggers set up by the human. That's been around for years. That hasn't replaced paid media. That hasn't placed anything. <clears throat> 
Now, what I think it'll do, it'll is it'll improve the speed at which we can create content and speed at which we'll be able to create editing, speed at which we can create landing pages. So I do believe there's going to be a core need of an individual that has the ability to control these tools, which most likely is going to get rid of implementers or those that are a little bit on the lower end side or the lower noob, the, the newbies jumping into it. But if those newbies or the beginners adopt the AI tools, they can get much quicker and faster and kind of level up to the other individuals that have been doing it for quite a while. But there's still this this mastery of the thing that you need to require of the tool that if you don't have the experience or haven't been doing it for a while enough, you might not know the type of prompts or keywords or things to bring up. So that's on the use of it. Second, I haven't had any any of our clients that we, we do decent on the amount of uh, brands we partnerships. Nobody's sitting here asking us like, can you please go make me AI, AI generated images or AI generated models? Everybody yeah. still wants humans. And so look, we're, we're, we're in 2020, uh, 2023 in, in the middle of May or end of May. I don't, I, I think it could eventually get here, but as of right now, the only areas we believe it's going to impact is our copywriting. We can probably cut back on some of the, the, the head account we have on copywriting. We haven't yet. And then the ability to create or audit faster. I think that'll be coming next for the research phase. Yeah, we are in the same shoes. Uh, no client has asked for, you know, AI copy, AI design. I think um, we are moving fast relatively to, you know, most businesses, even in e-commerce. Also, we are, uh, <clears throat> we started implementing in copywriting a few months ago. And actually, tomorrow I will meet a guy who will tell us even more how the operations could be reorganized. Um, wow. So yeah, what, did you, what did you ask him? What did you ask him to do? Like, what did you ask him to look at? So, you know, he has, he has a, he has a competitor actually, but he's a good friend. So basically sure. we, will, we will just have a lunch and I will ask him, okay, how you do things? Because we reorganize things, but uh, basically I, I trust my copywriters to look into it. But I talked to a few business owners at the second conference that I, I was yesterday and what I can see is that the CEOs, they really push it on their team from the top down. So yeah. you can trust your people and you should, but you know, people, they are, they like doing things as they did uh, in the past. So it, it's good to nudge them sometimes with some meetings. Okay. Let's ask some crucial questions. Let's learn how we could do things better and just really have meetings, the CEO himself or, or some, you know, manager, uh, with your people and yeah, just think about it and really, uh, dedicate time for this. So, yeah. Um, but what we did, what we don't have, we, we, um, haven't reduced the headcount and I don't know, maybe we should, I will talk to this guy. They did. Um, I, yeah, I don't know yet. Let's see. Hey, Budai Nation. Welcome to the Ecom Show. I ask you to subscribe to this podcast. And if you like it, make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic. So it would mean the world to me if you could support us. I hope we can serve our audience in the best way. And now let's jump into the episode. I think the headcount is an interesting conversation because there's still a lot of conversation. And maybe, maybe you maybe this came up maybe this didn't come up at our conference it didn't it wasn't really talked about of 
people being fearful of sales going down or not, or, or slowing of, of hiring or firing. I think, I think this was a giant wave when you saw the major tech companies do layoffs across the board. Facebook just went through another layoff sequence last week. Um, We were like fingers crossed for our rep. And so we, we sat here going that conversation or that feeling of like what's happening in the market. We haven't seen that come up again for quite a while. So maybe, maybe people, look at it not a reduction of efficiency or not a reduction of headcount for efficiency but more of a, like a reduction of headcount for profitability which i mean that all can get tied back to efficiency if you want yeah 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 um but one thing for sure i told our op manager that headcount the headcount question should be the last question to ask so first let's see how the efficiency yeah. goes if we can improve and if the conclusion is that we need fewer people okay we will you know uh, decrease the headcount but that's not the first question to ask i think yeah. i completely agree um so i'm really curious how you think about communication on social media because I can see many brands struggling with this and I have my podcast, YouTube. I'm, I, I, I don't think I'm struggling, but I could improve for sure. And you are one of those people who are really doing it well. That's my impression, especially on Twitter. Um, I follow Chase on LinkedIn, uh, great stuff that he puts out his newsletter. So is there any mindset behind it or any, you know, any, strategy um yeah what would you tell to those people who could improve in this because if you just post every day it doesn't do the job no it doesn't and and this is posting every day is like uh we call it table stakes like it's a bare minimum it's the minimum that you need to do to to be a part of it so i we look at it in in a framework of the three c's cadence consistency and content and then the style of content. So if you have, so for me right now, I'm, I'm a little bit unique in the sense that I love video. I love written and I love, uh, uh, voice. So I love all of it sometimes. And I, and I believe I I'm great or good at all of it. Some people are really good at copy. Some people are really good at videos. Some people are really good at, uh, podcasting. And so they need to stick with that area. Oftentimes, I always try to push for video for two reasons. One, video can live across everything. Video can be transcribed and video yeah. goes into the newsletter. So if you can do video, biggest benefit, you feel comfortable about it. It's it's probably the most uncomfortable for most people that spit, sit and look into a camera like this and have a one-on-one conversation. But it is so repurposable. And oftentimes, people are trying to consume this on the shorts, on the TikTok, on the Instagram, on the on the smallness, on the, on the bite-sized nature mm-hmm. that – you're not going to get with a newsletter. You're not going to get with a, a long form. We're not going to get as often with the podcast. So I look at it on those frameworks. I think if you can go video or push yourself to go video, do that first. There's just so many places it can live. Second, I've been at this for 11 years. Like I've been making content for 11 years and it started in Facebook groups. It evolved onto channels, evolved onto all the social channels. And right now I'm very intentional and especially Chase is very intentional. If you're if you're able to realize that some channels and I, I'll I'll be very specific on this some channels are meant for personalization some channels are meant for uh, generation of business mm-hmm. you're going to be in a good situation especially for 
brands and agencies, I'm not going to separate the two. I can if I, if you want me to after this, but I'm not yeah. going to separate the two. There's probably a medium that you speak best on and you and the person that you've hired to do it, or if maybe it's you, should consistently do and engage. There's two areas that I think people really neglect is the usage of repurposing content, small tweaks and variations. And you'll see if you pay really close attention to my content or Chase's content, there's a couple of areas that we like to actually speak about. For me, oftentimes it's building community that checks off the box of, of geek out that checks off the box of uh, people that can believe in the Nick and what he has to get to, to offer. Secondly, you have uh, paid media and you have uh, what's happening in ad accounts. That kind of is also like about marketing uh, people. It's the Facebook people. It's uh, the paid media marketing people. Then you have the brand side, which I'm excited to continue to talk about on the on the drink. Now I can build a little bit more relations of what's happening from the merchant side of things. That gives me a nut wires to talk about. And then you have culture of across all of them. Where are you learning? What are you learning? How are you learning? Entrepreneurial aspects. And so yeah. once you start to understand your pillars or themes that you can communicate, the easiest place to go is in this in right now day and age is Twitter. It's so simple to get there. It's so simple to write. And it doesn't necessarily matter now with the algorithm. People are going to see that. Instagram, it's still, the there's for you pages, there's these other areas. It's still hard to kind of grow exponentially zero to X, I believe, on Instagram now than any other one. I think I've been stuck at 27,000 for, for years at this point. But for Twitter and for LinkedIn, it's been thousands and thousands of growth overall. Because you forget two things. It's, even if you're a... a a brand owner, or if you work for the brand, the people that you're selling to are humans and oftentimes are other CEOs or other uh, well-rehearsed or, or, or intelligent individuals that are trying to buy the product. That's that's still LinkedIn. That is still LinkedIn. Even if you're the founder, if you're someone that works on that behalf, talking about what you're feeling as a human and expressing that we are doing in the business sense is still super important. Twitter's approach for me lately has been more engaged than it is common. I feel that as though right now in, in May, Spending time to engage with the community that you're a part of or, or in has been able to prove way more beneficial than than posting long threads or posting videos or posting other mm -hmm. things that are more for more for asking for on the engagement side of things. And Chase does a really good job at this too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Twitter, I can see that you react to comments a lot. You you comment back, you like, and uh, that's great. Many people they don't do that, and you post things which are very you know, personal, very far from e-commerce or even business and you just put it out and yeah. Um, oh yeah. I mean, dude, I, I went, I've gone through this, this tattoo change, right? I've, for the last 15 months, I've tattooed my entire body. Well, for people that's like, A, why are you doing that? B, how, how, what is this? What, what push you to do this? How painful is this? How expensive is this? Like there's all these topics and areas and it's different than someone just, just logging in and talking about like ROAS or, uh, sold my first order or product launch. Like it's just different, right? People want that personal stuff. And I think the more people can be real raw and unique and different, the more you're going to have that following. That's going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to listen to you because you're, you're not afraid to share what you really want to share. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, it's not easy though. And, and you cannot really outsource it, right? You have to do it yourself. And I know many business owners, they just don't want to do it. They don't want to put out themselves or, they they are too shy to do it. Um, yeah, I, I I've had this discussion a couple of times with people. Like, do you want a ghostwriter? Or do you want someone to make a right content for you? I think there's 
two things. I, there's no right answer to this. It depends on your working style. I have a, I have some incredible, incredible friends that do not write very well, or it takes them too long, but they have tons of information that they need to be sharing. So if that means you're getting on a call with a copywriter, if you're getting on a call with someone that will write for you once a week, once a month, and you're going, here's what's in my brain, here's the problems I'm solving, here's what I'm excited about, and let somebody else take those words, send it back to you for approval, there's nothing wrong with that. That's still you. You're not you. Yeah, you're not writing it or or formulating that specific sentence that goes specifically live on that on on that social platform. But it's still your. Um, it's still real, raw, and that's unique to you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, especially with writing, video is a bit trickier. Um, but with writing, yeah, everyone can do this. Yes. Um, I have one more question to you. So what would be your number one advice to entrepreneurs, to even to your community? Um, so let's say e-commerce business owners, seven, eight figure level, what they should focus on nowadays in 2023? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, my response wants to go in a couple of different directions. So I would say it, it might not be one core thing, uh, but it'll be it'll be like maybe two. So the first one is when you share what you're doing and the guys that 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 run the the operators podcast, Sean Frank and Jason Panzer and these guys, they're all running arguably high eight, low nine figure companies, right? Mm-hmm. They're operator, like literally operating this business. If these guys have time, nine figure businesses, hundreds of employees, wholesale, mi- like millions of units. If these guys have time to film a podcast and talk about topics that are important to them every week, every other week, and you're not able to, or I go to events, speak at events, travel, you know, they have families, they have kids, they have all these things, and you aren't able to sit down and come up with thoughts that you want to share on the internet. What are you doing? Why not? Why, why, why can't you get this done? Like, there's, there's so many benefits inside of Exodus. I told this to Sean outside and I said, look, you have to continue to do what you're doing and sharing with you. Even if you don't get replies, even if you don't get responses, even if nobody hits you up, because somebody somewhere is consuming this piece of content and it's going to do two things. One, maybe they want to do a partnership with you. Maybe, maybe they want to work for you. Maybe they want to quit their job and come over there and be a part of what you have because you, the way you've been speaking over time is really instilling uh, growth in them. You, maybe maybe you find that some of your manufacturers or some the Walmart rep or who whoever heard you do one thing somewhere and all of a sudden now they want to be part of that. That message is so important. A lot of us forget that you're like, oh, for, and I get this a lot on the agency owner side. Nick, like you have this agency, you have multiple agencies, all these big why why me person over here that's starting why am i going to create content when you're creating content and i go you dude you're not creating content for me you're creating content for the next person you're creating content that's someone that's a little bit behind you a little bit in front of you to 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 make and say same here like why why would tenuity or wpp or these giant guys make why would i make content when these guys make content because i'm not making it for them i'm making it for myself i'm making it for the people alongside me or beneath me same thing for the brand side it's never now I'm not saying you open up the PNL and you'd be like, cool, here's my margins and here's my manufacturers. Like, let's be smart about this. But I believe there is no downside to creating and showcasing what is going on on some sort of cadence, some sort of channel. Second, I do believe if you are in this seven, eight, nine figure range, and you and I are both doing it right now, right? Like, we're not jumping and diving into AI to like repurpose or rebuild our entire business, yeah. but we're very, 
cautious. We're looking at it, right? We're taking we're going like, what area of my business could this potentially help? And what area of this business could it potentially hurt, right? Because there's areas that it could be detrimental to my overall business. And I think for, for us in this space that are trying to grow and trying to push, it is, it is almost a detriment to our growth and our business if we don't understand how it could potentially help us or be familiar with some of the tools and get around playing with it. Like I'm, I don't log in every day like most people and, and use ChatGPT or Bard. But I know people are. I know people are trying to create and build with it. And sometimes for my learnings right now, it's not that eight, nine, ten, even some seven figure people. It's usually the like five figure, six figure that are trying to not have to hire that extra person or not have to go and get this extra contract. They're like, cool, can I can I make it can make do with what I have? So there might be a lot of like smaller players that are gonna be able to stick around a little bit longer. And I think that's really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just two things to add here. So one is, uh, I think if if anyone listening to this uh, podcast or live stream and you don't do content, you would be surprised how many people will reach out to you that I want to work for you. I want to partner up with you. Because when I started content, my original purpose was, you know, more clients, sales, all of that. <laughs> and uh, we, we have, you know, some part of that. But I'm, I'm really surprised how many people, they, every day we get emails that I want to work for you. And they are solid applicants because they yes the content. And, uh, yes. you know, you save so much time and money to hire people. And then partnerships. Um, so, so, yeah. And the other is, um, yeah, so AI and these tacti- tactical things. So once you get bigger, it's more about the big picture, the strategy, right? And... Uh, I think Alex Hormozy said that you should be very, you know, conscious about when to try out new things. You you don't have to hop on new trends all the time. We we had the crypto, we had dropshipping, we had many things, and and you don't want to do it. You have time. You you know you don't miss anything if you jump in six months later, not today. It's so true. I mean, there's 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 people out there that think about this, especially in the states, of like a brand new car gets released or a brand new uh, iPhone gets released. You want somebody else to work out the bugs. Like I didn't buy the Tesla the moment he launched. I was like, there's going to be some issues. I don't want to waste my time or money or or get hurt. I, I want somebody else to get this first. There's a there's a thing to be. I'd rather be second in line because who knows what's going to happen uh, for that first person ahead of you. You know, I want to watch what happens. Yeah. 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 I agree. Don't buy the first model of a new car. <laughs> yeah, wait for a second. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's such a great chat, dude. Really good questions, man. I really appreciate you uh, allowing me to, to jump on and talk to you and, and your team. And I'm really grateful to see you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Nick. I really enjoyed it. And I hope the audience as well. If anyone wants to find you or follow you where they should go. Yeah, uh, Twitter very active. So uh, I am Shackleford, or on Instagram I am Nick Shackleford. But I'm pretty active on all the channels. And so if you're into into the stuff that I'm talking about today, if you're into seeing French Bulldogs, my my crazy tattoo journey which just ended, uh, or, or just general business uh, overall, I would love to see you on either of those channels, man. Awesome. So we will put the links into the description so everyone can find those. And uh, thanks again, Nick. Thanks everyone. And stay tuned every week we come out with two new episodes in this podcast and have a great day everyone.